0: The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. I'm ready. Uh, How about you? You ready? I I just, man, singing uh, my faith is built on nothing less my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus blood and righteousness how about my uh fear doesn't stand a chance Uh, my fear I'm sorry I'm going to be singing that till about two o'clock about that time my wife will tell me I need to get a new song but uh I'm pretty pumped and ready to go we are going to look at Acts chapter 13 on this fine day uh encourage you to keep an eye open for Facebook Live probably on Tuesday. Pastor James and I will start talking about the reopening uh, plans and stuff like that. Uh, Tomorrow is a holiday, so we will take the day off and spend it with our families. I'm sorry. I thought that was just... Every time I say that, it cracks me up because we're going to take the day off and spend it with our families. What else have we been doing for the last few months? I don't know. Uh, I think maybe it's time to do something a little different, but that actually is our plans tomorrow. So we'll enjoy that tomorrow. Hopefully you're enjoying today and tomorrow and having a great holiday weekend. The journeys begin, meaning the missionary journeys of the Apostle Paul. Acts chapter 13 begins really the second half of the book of Acts. Now not uh, as far as counting the chapters go, uh, that would be after chapter 14. But uh, this begins a whole new series uh, where Paul is our main character and he is traveling throughout really the world spreading the gospel. So as we take off into Acts chapter thirteen, we are going to uh, we're going to do a little reading. We're going to do a little uh, teaching. We're going to do a little preaching. It's going to be a little preachy for a while here. So you ready? Let's go. Acts chapter 13, verse number 1. Now there was a church at Antioch. By the way, very quickly, Antioch was no little small town at that time. It was the third largest city in the world. You had Rome, you had Caesarea, and you had Antioch, and it became kind of a hub uh, for Christian activity for a while here. The prophets and the teachers, and I totally killed that, but anyway, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called, uh, I don't know, all these guys were there together. You got that? Okay, verse number two, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid hands on them, and they sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went to Seleucia, and from there, they sailed to Cyprus. Cyprus is a giant little island there, a little south of what is now Turkey, right out there in the Mediterranean. And when they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had John to assist them. Let me stop for just a second here and talk about uh, John for a minute. This John, we also know as John Mark. He is the author of the book of uh, Mark. and uh, But at this point, his role is simply to assist. As I read that this week, I just thought, again... Of the whole idea that there's no such thing as a small job as far as in the service of the Lord. Can you imagine really what would be going on right now if we didn't have this group of guys who's faithfully come in and work on videoing and live streaming and everything? We would have Pastor James and I passing a phone back and forth, saying, oh, no, not my turn. Uh, I'll film you, and now you film me. It would not uh, carry much uh, weight there. It would not have much of an audience, but uh, I so appreciate the roles that they have. You know, I was talking to David Gilbert one day, I said, hey, your job is more important than mine. He's, oh, no, no. But really, think about it. Without what they have done uh, to work and to put together a service for everybody. Um, but see, that goes beyond just during this time. Every week the chur- when church doors swing open here and, and around the world, really, uh, those who are working and, and taking care of teaching the Word of God to kids, Man, how incredibly valuable that is! I mean, how many people come back to church because their kids were were loved on, and their kids were cared for, and their kids were taught the Word of God, and the role that the, that of the folks who work down the hallway in the children's rent went wing, and the role of those who are welcoming. Uh, visitors at the door and making folks feel feel uh, like they belong somewhere and like somebody's actually happy they're there. How incredibly valuable that is to assist in ministry. I wish I could make a whole sermon out of that because of the incredible value that sometimes we don't realize. uh, We think some job is not as important, but let's go on here for a second. Ah, where in the world are we? (laughs) I'm having a little bit of a hard time today. When they arrived at Solomon's, they proclaimed the Word of God. Oh, we already said that. And they had John with them. We already said that too. Verse number six. And when they had gone through the whole island, as far as Paphos, uh, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. We're going to come back and talk about this fella in a little bit here. And he was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence, who summoned Barnabas and Paul and sought to hear the word of God. And Elymas, the magician, for that was the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was also called Paul, first time he is called that, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, You son of the devil! You enemy of righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight path of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. And immediately mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead them by the hand, to lead him by the hand. And then the proconsul believed, and when he saw that, when he when he saw what occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Now, I mentioned I want to do a little little teaching action here for a few minutes here, and uh, talk about some of the different names that we see in the text that we just read. This is an oldie, I know, the the name game. But a lot of times, you know, I'll I'll refer to an oldie, (laughs) one of the uh, little Facebook Live things, I referred to somebody named E.F. Hutton. And people were like, who is E.F. Hutton? I'm not sure when he died, but it uh, seems like his company has died, too. I thought it was really funny. I was totally amused with myself. They used to have these commercials on when E.F. Hutton talks, people listen, and I, I, I thought it was really funny. Half the crowd, no, more than half the crowd, anybody younger than me had no idea what I was talking about. This, come on, come on, even some of you younger folks, you've heard of the name game, Banana Fana Fofana Fee- Okay, that's what uh, I want us to think about some of the names that show up here. And the first one is this guy. Okay, now remember what's happened here. Paul and Barnabas and Mark have gone to this island. They're ministering, and there's somebody who wants to hear the gospel. Sergius Paulus says, hey, I want, I want to hear the word of God. But he has attached himself, or somebody has attached uh, themselves to him, this guy by the name of Bar-Jesus. Now, the name... Uh, that we'll start with then is this name, Bar-Jesus. It actually means son of Jesus, okay? I used to think, it may, <laughs> again, being the Bible scholar that I am, uh, I used to think Bar-Jesus, you know, he was trying to bar people from getting to Jesus. That was a good way to remember it. But the name actually means son of Jesus. However, when Paul confronts him here, when Paul talks to him, uh, what does he call him? son of the devil. Now again, let's let's get real into this story. Maybe you visualize Paul saying to this guy, thou art a son of the devil. And maybe you see Paul kind of floating back and forth. But let's get real for a second. I would say if you're using that kind of terminology, first of all, you're kind of playing off his name, son of Jesus. You ain't no son of Jesus, buddy. You are the son of the devil. And, and he goes on like that. This is a pretty much in-your-face confrontation. Now, one of the things I want you to notice about it is right before he said that, uh, it says that he was directed by the Spirit. You know, sometimes we get this idea that spirit-filled life is all, again, you know, floating around. I am the good disciple, and I never say anything or raise my voice I a piece like that. But he's ticked off here, and very much perhaps because this very is beyond a matter of life and death. It is a matter of eternal life and death. So he's passionate about this, and he calls this guy a deceiver. When you look into that word, the word means bait. Uh, We've had uh, around church here in recent weeks uh, some fuzzy little friends that have decided they wanted to live underneath our church building. And uh, we found um, a—back by the back gym doors, we found this pile of dirt that had been dug out from underneath the building— And uh, we figured somebody had taken up residence back there. So some of our uh, fellows set some traps back there for these little animals. And uh, they put nice little melon out because apparently that's a uh, groundhog's favorite food. And uh, one Saturday morning I came in and sure enough, there's a cute little groundhog back there in in that trap. I'm sure that Dennis took him away and found him a nice little retirement village for groundhogs. I'm sure that's what happened to him. Uh, But I was thinking about that whole idea of, okay, we put this melon and he scattered it throughout the yard to kind of lure him into the trap and get him in there. You know, false religion does that same thing. It has the appearance of something that's good that we want, but it's luring us into a trap. This guy, this bar Jesus, was the ultimate of kind of a combination of different religions. Uh, a few years back, my wife and I got to take a little trip to uh, Jamaica. We were leading a, uh, a senior trip down there. But we, we stayed at a resort. It was a really cool resort. It was called Sunrise Retreat, S-O-N. You'd see the sunrise there every morning. Uh, it actually used to be owned by the Beatles, and it used to be called Strawberry Fields. I'm not kidding. Uh, but uh, but the guy that led this was was hilarious because he handed us his business card. We thought, you know, a nice Christian man. On his business card, it said that he was a Buddhist monk Christian nudist. (laughs) I'm not kidding. All those things were on there, and they had turned one of the beaches into a nudist beach. He was a combination of everything you could find. Um, When I studied into and dug into Bar Jesus, he was very much that same thing. He kind of took some bits and pieces from some different religions, so he appeared to be religious, but what he was trying to do was draw somebody away uh, from the truth. So, uh, so we'll see some more here about when he eventually comes to the truth, but I wanted you to meet this guy, this Bar Jesus. The second name that I wanted you to think about is the fact that we have Saul, who has now become Paul. Okay? Um, in the culture of the time, most people did have a couple names, and Paul was his Greek name. So why is Saul all of a sudden now going to be known as Paul? See, the world at this time was politically Roman, uh, by the way, Paul was also a Roman citizen. We don't know exactly how he became one. Probably somebody in his family had served uh, the Roman army or something like that, but he, we know he was a Roman citizen because later on when they kill him, he gets the extreme privilege, esteem uh, privilege, of having his head cut off instead of being crucified because he is a Roman citizen. Uh, so the world is, is uh, politically, it's Roman, but the world is still very much culturally Greek. And Paul knew, uh, he was familiar with Greek teachings and things like that. When he preached on Mars Hill at Athens, uh, he quoted several of the Greek uh, philosophers. So he knew what was going on there. And now Paul is going to be the guy that God uses to take the gospel out into a Greek world. So what shall we call him? Shall we call him Saul or shall we call him by his Greek name, Paul? But that's what he does. Okay? Uh, he's, he's going out here uh, now and he is adjusted to the culture. Okay, I I just want you to think about that a little bit. I think it is very important. I think we can learn from this that this is something we should do also. Missionaries have learned, you know, I'm not trying to convert somebody to an American way of life or the Western world way of life. I'm trying to convert them to Jesus Christ. So where there are things that are neither right nor wrong, I want to adapt to their culture maybe in what they're eating uh, and what they're wearing as much as possible so that I can connect with them. And Paul shows us that here. Not only that, Paul, if you remember, the the word about uh, the Sergius Paulus is that he was a very smart man okay? Um, Paul was a very intellectual man, and I think God designed a good matchup here where we have somebody that's intellectual who can talk to somebody that's intellectual. Uh, we have somebody, you know, that has the name Sergius Paulus and somebody who has the name Paul, but they can, uh, can connect on, on these ways. And I want to, as we think about this and, may, and look for an application, I encourage you to think about How God has designed you, how God has wired you, how God has prepared you, uh, that you could connect with a certain type of people sometimes, or a certain type of person. I'm not suggesting that we don't want to witness and and share God's love with everyone, but there are certain people maybe we're specifically cut out for, we have a natural connection with, and we can make that. And for sure, where we can, where we can without doing wrong, uh, we want to fit with the culture so that we can share Christ. I think that's an example of something that we see with Paul. Now, one other thing real quickly about names. The name, uh, since we talked about the town of Antioch, I thought it'd be worth mentioning for a second here that uh, Antioch is the place where uh, those who follow Jesus were first called Christians. It was not a compliment. It's like, oh, you little Jesus, kind of you mindless thing, just following Jesus around everywhere. But this is where the name began. You know, the name of those who follow the Lord is kind of interesting just in the fact that after a while, whatever name we choose somewhat has a tendency to lose its meaning. Uh, what, what I mean by that is, obviously, the word Christian is a great word, little Christ. We'll, we'll take it. But so many people lay claim to that name, and it is used so flippantly sometimes that uh, it kind of loses its meaning. So many said, okay, let's call ourselves believers instead. Let's go by that title. And that also, you know, has a great value. I am a believer in Jesus Christ as, as my Lord and as my Savior. I believe in him. But again, a believer in what uh, for many people is the question. You know, people believe in some interesting things. Five percent of Americans still believe Elvis is alive. I mean, people believe in some interesting things. So it's not enough to simply believe. The important thing is that we are believing that man... Kind has a problem. That problem is called sin. Because of that sin, he is separated from God, but God bridged that gap by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to pay the price, to pay the penalty for that sin and said, believe in me, put your faith and trust in me. That is the point of belief there. When we do become, if you will, a Christian or a born-again Christian or a Christ follower or whatever term you want there, I don't know that we can pick a term that's going to stay safe that we can use forever but I do know that the, the meaning behind uh, the, the term is what is important and how this is lived out in our life is what is most important. Okay, enough with names. Are you ready? Now we're going to get to the preachy part. You ready? you ready? Can you handle this for a few minutes? Okay, here you, here you go. We're going to talk, as we look at this story, about some things that we see in here that are the crucial ingredients of ministry, a crucial ingredients of a church. Okay, so this is phase one of the opening of the original church, if you will. Uh, we have 34, no, I don't know how many more phases we have. But uh, this is phase one. We're opening uh, the church here. here. Here's how this is rolling. The first crucial ingredient has very simply got to be the Holy Spirit of God. If you look at this story here, if you read there, when they gathered together, under the, they followed the Holy Spirit's direction. Paul continued to follow the Holy Spirit's direction in talking to different people. The power of God is step one. Now, okay, wait a minute. Just a minute ago, I was talking about the importance of being uh, adapting to the culture in ministry. Okay, so, so what you're saying then, Pastor, is we need a balance, right? We need to adapt to the culture, but we need the power of God. You know, I would not even say that because I think the, t- the scale tips so heavy to the side of this point right here. I will go back again, and I'll say, yes, indeed, we want to be culturally Culturally relevant. We want to be practical. Uh, we want to uh, figure out that different people are reached differently, and we want to be creative in our approach to ministry and sharing the gospel. We want to do everything as sharp as we can. Learn from as many people as we can. Uh, learn from business models. Learn from anything like that. We want to do all that. But if we if we miss this, why don't we scrap the whole thing? <laughs> I mean, that's that's just how I feel. If see be, because the task that we are called to do. Okay? The ultimate goal of ministry cannot be accomplished apart from God's Spirit. You know, back in Acts chapter 1, you remember that the, uh, the disciples, those who had been closest to Jesus, those who had spent a couple years with Jesus, still were to wait before they got into ministry until the Holy Spirit came. Jesus said, I'm going to go away, but I am going to send my spirit. This is like job one essential. Can we kind of get a hold of that, that if the supernatural isn't taking place around here, we just have another little social club, and why don't we just scrap it? Okay, really, why don't we open this up for a dance hall uh, or, or something like that? Because if the supernatural, the working of God's Holy Spirit and His power is job one, that we seek that, that we desire that, that we obey Him in His leading. The second word that I want us to look at is an essential to ministry is the word Scripture. When it's talking about Sergi- Sergius Paulus, the last... Uh, sentence in the paragraph there says that he was convinced by the teaching of the Word of God. And remember it said at the beginning he wanted to hear the Word of God. Okay, again, I I always am uh, in in favor of I, I got a little ADD going. I, I definitely get bored really easily. I like to try to do things differently and, and creative and stuff like that. I'm all for that. But let us never lose the fact that we need to be teaching and proclaiming the truth of God's Word. Now, we, we can't get away from that. That is where uh, the truth, that is where the message, that's where the power is in the proclamation of His Word. You know, um, in recent days, I have... Tried more and more, not just as because we've been streaming, but ahead of time, I tried to do as much as I can to get the Word of God up on the screen. Partly, to be very honest with you, then I don't have to wear my glasses because I can read it on the screen. But secondly, and, and actually, most importantly, I want you to see it. I want you to see that I'm not, you know, making stuff up. I don't want it to be, I don't know how to say this, so, you know, so often I've been in church and it's kind of like the preacher reads a passage of scripture so then he can say whatever he wants. <laughs> you know. Okay, we're done with that. Now let's go. I, I never want it to be that I want that to be a focal point and I want you to see it as that I don't want it to be okay well he's just reading right now I don't really need to pay attention I'll wait and see what's going to be said later no if anything go the opposite way listen while the word of God is being read and then shut me out if you want that's fine but uh, the focus on scripture and in the word as the church begins we see a focus on the spirit we see a focus on the scripture the third thing we definitely see a focus on sending. Our God is a missional God. God uh, moved Abraham in the Old Testament, sent him. He sent Jesus to earth. Uh, he sends believers all the time uh, throughout Scripture. He moves them around, and we've been watching this in the book of Acts as we've gone through the first half. God uses persecution. Uh, God, by His Spirit, moves different people around in different places, and God is... Is always about sending. You know, that is why we as a church always want to have, uh, you know, some folks that we're supporting that we have sent out. It would be a great thing if that number increases where we're actually sending people from our own family, from our own church congregation out, uh, missionally like that, and supporting them. But understand that it goes beyond that to the place where all of us are to serve in the role as missionaries in the fact that all of us are to are sent. We're not supposed to have, you know, just a little secret life that we hold on to. Did you uh, do ever, when you get together for an icebreaker activity, sometimes uh, they'll have the different people in your group, they'll write down, hey, tell us something about yourself that nobody would know. Do you ever play that little game and you write it down and then you have to guess which person it is? Uh, my favorite one ever, we were, we were in a group, probably about 12 people, and there was a lady in there that, okay, I... I don't mean this rudely or anything like that, but if anything, I'd guess her secret was that she was Amish at one point because she very much conducted herself in that way, Uh, I thought. So one of the things comes around, and it is uh, I'm part of a belly dancer club. (laughs) And I thought, I would have voted for myself before I voted for her. I thought there, there was no way. And she didn't get one little vote on that one. But sure enough, that was her thing. Her secret life was she was part of a belly dancer club. You know, sometimes we have something about ourselves that, uh, you know, it kind of fits into that mold. Hey, you would never know this about me. But sadly, sometimes we, as we're in the world, in our families, in our neighborhoods, everything like that, the thing that nobody knows about us is that we love Jesus Christ. I mean, how sad is that when we get stuck uh, in that? So God calls his church, God wants his church to be looking for the supernatural as far as the Spirit of God working, to be uh, invested in that, to be asking God for that, to be scripturally sound and to be focused on the Word of God, uh, knowing it and proclaiming it, and to be missional as he is missional. How do you like the phrase, the new normal. Uh, seriously, just how h- how you get along with that? My Frances and I went out. Uh, Friday was her birthday, and uh, so we went out to two restaurants. We went out for breakfast. We went over to the Metro Diner and had breakfast, and then uh, we went to uh, Steakhouse for dinner. So so we had uh, we had a good time, and uh, but <laughs> you know, you go in and and. I, I shouldn't, I'm not griping. I I really appreciate the fact that restaurants are opening up. I want to be part of that. But it is a little different. Uh, By the way, yesterday, outside of Martin's, I saw people sitting around at tables laughing and talking. (laughs) normal, but anyway, in these restaurants, it wasn't quite like that. It was kind of, you know, here's the, t- here's the tables you're not allowed to sit at, here's the ones you can. You can't have any condiments on the table. Uh, your menu is a disposable menu. Uh, there's nothing else on the table, which makes it really hard for fidgeters. <laughs> you know, I was like, what do I do? Make a paper airplane out of my menu. That's about all I could do. Uh, but, but you know, the, the, the phrase we keep hearing, okay, this is going to be the new normal. You know, I've sat down in this restaurant and I, I just thought, this, this still isn't normal. And uh, I think my wife even said, well, this is the new normal. And I slapped, no, I did not slap her. But I thought, I don't like to hear that. I, I'm, not, I'm not a big fan of the new normal. I kind of like the old normal. I'm just kind of an old toot. And, you know, I just kind of like things the way they were and want things back. I don't always adjust to the new normal very well. However, okay, here's where we're going to get most preachy for a, little, for a minute. I am seeking that our church, that the church, find a new normal that we don't open up the same as we were before. Because the places in our lives and in our churches where we had kind of a half-baked, weak-sauce Christianity, you know, barely devoted to the Lord, that's not a normal we want to get back to, okay? I want the new normal <laughs> to be uh, obvious uh, where, where Christians are falling in greater in love with God and and serving Him and falling greater in love with other people and serving them, where we're, we're most definitely more passionate about him and his work and, and his ministry. You know, when this whole business started, um, this whole uh, you know, uh, virus shut down, everything like that, I mean, I, I remember thinking, I, I know enough history and I know enough church history to know that the church of God has prospered during hard times okay when difficulty comes the church a lot of times has stepped up and it has thrived and the proclamation of the gospel gets expanded and uh, working of the holy spirit people are coming to Christ, and and uh, and that's exciting and, and so when this started as much as you know there's some apprehension and where a thing is going to go and we're still somewhat in that as far as you know even though we we begin to see the light at the end of the tunnel we still we're wondering okay exactly how long this and how long that and and everything but uh, but i as we started into this, I thought, you know, one thing we can count on is that God is going to do something miraculous through this. And I want to bring us back to that idea. And even as we begin to see the light at the end of the t- tunnel, can, can you, along with me, to just, just say, hey, to whatever degree the normal of my Christianity had gotten in a rut, God, give me a new normal. To whatever degree, uh, you know, I'm walking through the motions and, and just, you know, it's just the same old, same old. I don't want to get back to that. Now, you know, for some of you, maybe that, that's not the story, but I think it is so easy for us. And this is something you see throughout Scripture. Uh, God's people have a tendency to wander away, wander into apathy. And I think that's the main weapon that our adversary, the, uh, Satan, uses is, is just to try to get us just to, we, we don't really care too much. We're just going through the motions. We're playing the games. And may the new normal at the end of quarantine 2020, whenever it ends, uh, may the new normal be in my heart a greater fire for Jesus Christ. May the new normal be a a greater passion. See the passion that Paul had because of the Holy Spirit? Hey, we're going to get the gospel to this guy, and you're not going to get in the way, you son of the devil. Get out of here. Forgive me if that sounds a little harsh, but that's exactly how I read that. That's exactly what he's saying. He's saying, hey, this is, this is not playing games. This isn't it doesn't matter if he hears the gospel. This isn't it doesn't matter if people find out that God loves them. This isn't it doesn't matter whether or not we have church or anything like that. This is life, eternal life and death kind of stuff. So can we get a little bit more excited, I guess I say? Can we come out of the situation that we're in right now and embrace a new normal? Okay, maybe not in a restaurant. I kind of hope we go back to plastic menus sometimes because there's more things on them. But can we get excited about a church that is like it never has been before in our lifetime? <laughs> Where we walk out every week and say, what? hey, you know what? Let, let, let me go back to one other thing here real fast. There's a phrase in there. Oh got to, early in there where it talked about the, uh, God um, it was talking about worship. It used the word worship in the ESV. In the other translations it said that they were ministering to the Lord. okay? It didn't say they were ministering for the Lord. it says they were ministering to the Lord. And it's that whole idea of that passionate worship. You know our churches sometimes are so screwed. there's so much about ourselves. I mean, you think about it. Okay, uh, I'm on a tangent now. Somebody's going to have to pull the plug in just a second. But uh, you think about it. Ever since I've been around, one of the main things that people fight about in churches is actually worship. That's just stupid. I mean, because we do that when our worship actually becomes all about us. They, wor- they ministered to the Lord. They worshiped him. Could we see some things really change? Could we see the church actually make an impact? And I don't mean get a bigger crowd. I, I would imagine that will come as a byproduct of it, but could we see the place where our lives are actually different, where marriages are being healed and transformed because of the power of the Holy Spirit? Would you pray with me to that end? Would you pray that we come out of this with a new normal in the church of Jesus Christ? Let's pray. God, yeah, I, first of all, I don't, I don't want to go off on my tangent. I, I don't want this to be you know, my message well, God, when I look at your church, how it started, what powered it, what drove it, sometimes, sometimes I, I really do think, God, I, I love ministry, but sometimes I get so frustrated thinking just that so much of it is, is a game and going through the motions. God, would you deliver us from that if that was our normal, if that was the rut we're into? Would you give your church and your people a new normal? I pray in your powerful name. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.